Super Talk Mississippi media production. Did you know Toyota Brookhaven has sold more new vehicles the last two years than any other dealership in southwest Mississippi? Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. And welcome from the Element Wealth Studios. Middays on Super Talk Mississippi. Dave Hughes in again on this Tuesday. And good morning to you, Mose. Ceasefire text line lit up before we even did anything. That could be a good or a bad sign, Rhino. I'm not sure. It all depends on how you look at it. Yeah, yeah. It depends on how, how the day goes, I guess. A little bit better today than it was yesterday in terms of all the, the bank nonsense. It's calmed down a little bit. The contagion has slowed the spread. Yes. I, I love when we use and it. You and I were talking. It's an appropriate use of the word, but it just makes it sound like a bad sci-fi movie from the 70s. The contagion is spreading. Well, no, everybody's freaking out. That, that that was the contagion in question here. And everybody's freaking out a little bit less today. So that's good. We'll take that. Uh, the, the consumer price index came out about what they expected, a little bit lower than last month. So that was good news. But the problem is uh, now that's going to give the Fed the confidence to go ahead and bump the interest rates up again. You watch. So what's going to happen? And that's just going to start the whole cycle again. And <sighs> Welcome to 2023, the year of stupid. It's like trying to pull a, a bucket up from the bottom of a well, but you're only using your right arm. Yes. And it's in a sling. And two of the fingers are broken. And you're left-handed. That, that That's pretty close, yeah. That's exactly what's happening, and it's uh, just going to continue moving forward. We have a lot of other stuff we can talk about today, uh, because we talked more than enough about the financial mess yesterday, and there's not much you can do about it other than just, you know, stay calm. We do have a text on the ceasefire text line about the invasion of the seaweed. Yes, it is coming. Brace yourself. The contagion is about to hit. Can we just keep using that word now? Why not? Let's just start using it until it no longer feels like a word anymore. Yeah, yeah. Just just normalize it to the point to where when we hear it, it's like, yeah, and we had a contagion of Cheeto dust in the living room last night because we watched a movie. So, yeah, contagion. Whoop, whoop-de-doo. Yeah, that that is a huge amount of seaweed, and the problem isn't that it's coming in. The problem is going to be after it gets in and it sits on the on the shores for a while. That's yeah, because be we're nasty. not Japan. We don't eat the stuff in, in large quantities. No, no. The... Uh, <clears throat> 
I, I do think we might have to mobilize our army of kale consumers. Vegans, this is your moment. This this is your time to shine. You can save the country by eating the invasion force. You know, I really probably should have thought more about that before <laughs> before I put it that way, but here we are. Welcome to the show. It's going to be uh, an entire day of this, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, that that thing is massive, and it they're they're saying it could cause health problems when it gets in, as it sits there and it starts to rot, because that's what's going to happen. Uh, noxious clouds. Always a fun phrase to hear on the news. It's exactly what you want to hear is headed your way for the beaches during summer. Noxious clouds. It's perfect. Which, if you think about it, and this goes back to what we were talking about with the banks yesterday and dominoes, everything causes ripple effects no matter what it is. So you've got the seaweed coming in. If it's nasty, if it's not cleaned up, and I don't know how you clean up an area of seaweed twice the size of America. I'm not really sure we have the capacity to do that. Uh, so it comes in, it starts to rot. That cuts down on the number of people going to the beach for, uh, for a summer vacation when it gets here. That causes health problems. That causes people to miss work. That causes tourism to drop in those communities, which causes people to lose their jobs, which affects the economy. It's just a vicious cycle of, of stink, literally. So it, you, we talk about this as, a you know, it's kind of a funny story, but the the amount of this mess that's coming in is so big it can cause a big problem in a lot of different areas that you wouldn't normally connect with oh there's seaweed on the beach that doesn't sound bad at all until you realize just how much there is and what what this could wind up causing how do we live in a world where a seaweed invasion can affect our economy we do but that's where we're at the pandemic really did shine a big spotlight on every weakness of every system around the globe. Yes. Red and Ridgeland says an enterprising individual would try to harvest that floating green gold. Like that nice phrasing, Red. Said uh, seaweed can be used in everything from cosmetics to fertilizer. Well, he's not wrong. Get out there and scoop it up. Make a buck. Supply will be through the roof. Yes. It's the demand we have to work on. Hey, you know that noxious, toxic gunk all over the beaches? I've got a deal for you. That's kind of a tough sell. But Red's not wrong. They use it in a lot of different stuff. Just fertilizer alone, it could probably be you know, a big deal. The problem is uh, the price is immediately going to get jacked up. Even though it's literally free from the beach, uh, they're still going to jack the price up. Because wherever those beaches are, the local governments are going to impose a clean our beaches for us fee, uh, which has to be baked into the price, and then we're off to the races as usual. Interesting thing I see on Twitter here that just came out in the last hour or so. <clears throat> Kendall Rogers uh, is quoting some sources and saying that starting in 2025, the SEC, adding Texas and Oklahoma, of course, right? Uh, they're going to move to a regular season schedule, including two series each year against permanent opponents and eight series against rotating opponents. The SEC will also go to a single division. 
Hmm. No, no more SEC East and West, just SEC. That's from Kendall Rogers on Twitter. Take that for what it's worth. I'm sure the guys this afternoon. We've got Brian Haydad coming on next hour, so uh, maybe I can hit him with this and get some insight into it. Just thought that was interesting. That would be a big change for the SEC if we just mush them all back together. And it's a little bit of a tweak from the leaked, I guess it was leaked, or maybe proposed pod system they were looking at. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a fairly drastic difference, I would think. But with two permanent opponents, you do manage to maintain longtime rivalries. Yeah. And with eight rotating opponents, you eventually get to go everywhere. And everybody eventually gets to come to you. But Just on a really long time scale. Very long time scale because you got eight eight teams rotating. You got thirty games, basically, uh at that point. So it's it's gonna take a few years to rotate everybody through. If this holds up, again, we'll wait and see. But that that is what he is reporting. He's the managing editor at D1 Baseball, by the way, if you don't know who Kendall Rogers is. Uh, and that's he says that's according to his sources. So we'll see how that plays out. And luckily, we have the expert on next hour. He, he is well-versed in all things SEC. Brian Haydad will be with us. And we can talk to him and ask him and get his opinion on that because that would be a major change even like you said to the pod system that they were originally talking about that's going to be different we'll see if it plays out that way uh jimbo basketball has no divisions true True. very true we're talking you know football and baseball here though yeah they've got divisions that's a big deal uh Said that's for baseball, not football. Well, he's with D1 Baseball, so yeah, makes sense. Uh, Mose, how would you determine the SEC champion? Record alone? No game? It's a good question. Well, with baseball, it is record alone, and then yeah. you go to the tournament. Yeah. Record alone, then you go to the tournament, so it wouldn't really affect that because this would be for baseball and uh, and not football. We're getting more and more. Uh, that, that will leave football as the lone major sport that has the two divisions if they do this though so how long would it be before they moved in that direction with football as well that would get really hairy yeah that would get extremely messy (sighs) pod uh system would still be a thing for football Ben and Madison says. Okay, I was under the impression the pod thing was going to be both football and baseball. I I think that was the original discussion, and now we're hearing that it's going to be just football. Stay tuned. It could change again. It's the way this stuff seems to be working. Coming up after the break, we've got somebody that's doing something really, really neat, helping get something started. Camp Kamasa trying to build it up. Mary Kitchens joins us on the show to talk about what they're doing there, what it's for, and how you can help right after this in the Element Weld Studios. Keep it here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. What? What? This is on Super Talk Mississippi. Help, I need somebody. 
Super Talk Mississippi Middays live in the Element Wealth Studios. Don't forget, by the way, I'm trying to get out ahead of this for once, Rhino. We do have another pair of tickets to give away at some point, which means about 12.50, Rhino, and I will get back to it. That's the, that's the pattern, isn't it? That's the way it usually works. Isn't that always the way? <sighs> We're going to try to do it earlier today, though. We're going to do it at a different time just to surprise you because, well, everybody needs a surprise on a Tuesday, don't they? Uh, joining us in studio now, we have with us from Camp Kamasa, Mary Kitchens joins us. How are you today, Mary? I'm just wonderful. Thank you. I can tell. You just, you just came perking right in here and it just brightened the room up when you Thank walked you. in. <laughs> did a good job. Now, uh, Camp Kamasa is, uh, I think it would be fair to say, a passion project for a lot of people, isn't it? Absolutely. Tell no. us a little bit about it and a little bit about how it got started. Okay. We didn't know it got started in 1977, but it actually did. Because then our three-year-old son uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And he was very sick, of course, for a couple of years. He had several surgeries. He had radiation, chemo. He did survive. And today, grown, married, and has children. But we were thrown into a world we had never been a part of, that with very sick children and into the Children's Hospital in Jackson. In 1984, our state had its very first camp for children with cancer, and our son Dan was one of the campers. It was a three-day camp. They had about 30 kids, and he had a fabulous time. So he went to that camp. He continued to go, and then when he got out of high school, he was a counsel, became a counselor. He has a brother 14 months older who became a counselor and a brother three years younger who became a counselor. And so they have still a part of that camp all of these years, um, 30 plus, 40, I'm not sure how many, a long time. And over those years, I've been the camp director, and I've been involved in the camp. So this camp, which is called Camp uh, Rainbow for Children with Cancer, has been around a while, but it's also had to move a lot. Since 1984, from that first camp, they've moved seven times. Oh, wow. Every time you move, you've got the medical staff who goes to the camp apprehends it because a, a regular church camp or state park, uh, they don't need an infirmary because they're giving out a Band-Aid to a healthy kid. So they don't know what they're going to find. A lot of camps renovate, or they don't renovate, but they call a cabin the infirmary while the kids are there. So you don't have what you need. I even know camps in our state where the nurses have to keep medicine in ice chests in their car because there's no place. You can't put them in a refrigerator with regular food. Or they're having to bathe children in their bathing suits but outside in kiddie pools because they can't get them in the bathroom showers because those children need someone to help hold them up. So there are a lot of problems when you use camps that weren't built for children with special needs. So we were moving again, and this was about the mid 2000s about 2005, six, And so our family started saying, you know, somebody ought to build one facility that not just cancer, but sickle cell, uh, muscular dystrophy, children that are blind, autism, arthritis, all these kids could come to one place to hold camp. Because our wonderful state has about two dozen camps, but people don't own their own camp. They use someone else's, like a church, church's camp. And we had two. We'd use several different ones and state parks. 
And so they just aren't accessible for your children. Well, they weren't designed no, for that use. Not at all. Not at all. You can't blame them at all. And then a lot of times you'll be using it, and the camp will need the week they've let you use for their own camp, their own Baptist children, Methodist, Presbyterian children. And that's fair. That's who they built their camp for. So we thought someone ought to do something. And as happens in my experience, after a while, God could kind of hit you in the head and say, quit talking about somebody oughta, and you go do it. Well, I'd been a school teacher, didn't know a thing about raising money or building a camp, but I believed God would help if I would agree, you know, if I would be obedient and do it. I think the smartest thing I did was I started visiting camps in other states. And I've been to 14 camps in different states from Kentucky and North Carolina, Texas, Florida, all in between. And there's some wonderful camps out there. Mississippi just didn't have one. And they were so willing to share their information and share their ideas and let me take pictures and develop relationships with a lot of these camps then and that have kept going. So I learned a lot from this and these other places. So we came back in 2008. We became a 501c3. We formed a board. We started looking for land. We wanted relatively flat land, so you'd have to fill in a bunch of gullies, and a timber company had land for sale in 2012, we heard about. So in 2013, we borrowed money from the bank, and we, um, 326 acres, and we started raising money to pay for that land to build a camp on. And... Um, you know, we worked, that's basically what we were doing during that time was raising money to pay for the land and uh, 650000 And well, 2017, we had it raised. We had the money and we paid for the land. We were really proud of ourselves and patting ourselves on the back, but it's a big jump from um, 650000 to $28 And that's what we knew the facility would cost. <sighs> Yeah, that that that's a lot steeper hill to climb. But <laughs> I, do, I do want to stop for a second and highlight something you said, okay. because this is so important. Everybody falls into this trap of saying, you know, somebody ought to do something <laughs> or that has kind of morphed a little bit. It's no longer somebody. Now everyone says we need to do something. But they never seem to include themselves in the we. <laughs> we now means the same that somebody used to mean. Uh, and what it takes true. is uh, people who say, somebody ought to, and then they realize, wait a minute, I'm somebody. <laughs> yeah. I could do this. And that that's what happened here. Yeah. Well, we just somebody had to. And thankfully, and I've been so blessed that it's I'm, I got the privilege and the joy of it of being in, I guess, you know. So, um, you know, that was great. Yeah, we, we're on our way. We, we're doing something. We had also been talking to the CBs on our coast about if they would maybe help us dig, dig a lake on our land. We didn't really realize how many regulations we'd have to go through first, but we had hoped they would help us. And so we had hired someone in our office as director of development named Tanya Mohawk, and her husband was full-time National Guard, Army National Guard. Her father had been a CB. She understood. I thought maybe she knew how to speak military better than I did because I was talking to him, but it wasn't going anywhere. She didn't just send them the picture of the lake. She sent them all of our plans because by then, the camp was designed. I knew exactly what I wanted it to look like, so we had all the design for it. She sent it to them. They looked at it and they said we can do so much better than that <laughs> there is a program 
through the Department of Defense, where the military, all branches of the military, will come work in a community as training for deployment. The CBs sent our plans to the Pentagon. You know, to me, that's a really big deal that the Pentagon has now heard of us. Yes. And so they started calling, and they were interested in what we were doing. Tanya filled out this huge application, and we were late getting it in because we didn't know it existed. But she got it in, and we decided, you know, we ought to go meet these people. So Tanya and I and our mayor went to Washington. Well, we learned you can't walk up to the Pentagon. I was the about door. to ask, how did you get in the Pentagon? <laughs> we didn't. Okay, okay. We, didn't. we got at a place called Pentagon City, which is just outside. And we met with the top people, though, with this program. It's called Innovative Readiness Training. And it is a program that started during Bill Clinton. He said it, the military during their two weeks, the National Guard during their two weeks summer training, ought to go do something productive for a community instead of working on the base. So he started the program, and that's what we benefited from. So we we talked to them. You know, we didn't know how it was going to go. They couldn't tell us anything. And we got back home, and in about five days they called, and they said, well, a program that we were going to do in 2018 fell through. So instead of coming to you in 19 like we thought they were going to do, they they said, if we come in 18, do you have the money? Because we have to pay for every bit of the building supplies that they use. Well, I lied. And I said, oh, yes, yes, we have the money. <laughs> That's what you have to do in that situation, it's, right? It just was appropriate. And then the next thing they wanted to know is we had to have environmental and cultural studies done. And they wanted to know if we could have them ready. And I lied. And I said, absolutely. Well, I didn't know that we couldn't. I just knew they usually took a year, and we had just barely started on them. So we've told them all these things, yes, come on, we can do it. And immediately, the, all these people in uniform started coming in our office to talk to us <laughs> and to make plans about doing you know, this program. So you know, it just snowballed. And from there, we've just, you know, with their help, we have built a camp. Well, I tell you what, if you can hang on through the break, we'll continue because I want to get some more. We've got a, got a text or two about it. Somebody saying the lake looks good at the entrance uh, who has been by there, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Mary Kitchens, who may not speak military, but she speaks <laughs> government really well. She is on her way to becoming a professional liar for a good cause. We'll continue talking to her live in the Element Well studios on middays right after this. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Rhino always on point here in the Element Well Studios. This is, if this were the WWE, this would be Mary Kitchen's walkout music. <laughs> 
Lion Eyes by the Eagles. <laughs> Welcome back. Mary with Camp Kamasa. Uh, and we, we heard the history of it. And I love the, the other part of this uh, that I wanted to call out is that a lot of times we have opportunities and we have things that pop up and we either on purpose or accidentally don't acknowledge that it's an opportunity to do something. And you started off by saying, well, it started in 1977. <laughs> we didn't know it, but it did. And, and sometimes that's the way things work, though, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think our lives are pretty well planned out, and I believe in God, so I believe God has been planning it out. And he knew in 77. Can I tell you a quick story about my son? Most definitely. I, I think for some people this would really you know, be meaningful. He's three years old. He's got cancer. He's got all these tubes attached to him. And we're sitting on a Saturday morning at the hospital, and I know it was Saturday because cartoons were on, and a commercial came on. And during that commercial, my son said, Mama, why'd God give me cancer? We had never said one word to that child about God doing that. He didn't ask the easy ones, does he? No. So I'm doing this quick prayer, and I told him, well, Dan, God likes for his children to talk to him. And a lot of people had quit talking to him. They kind of ignored God, but now they're talking to him because they're praying for you. And he said, oh, cool. Commercial was over. That was the end of it. About a year later, our pastor got sick, and he had cancer, and Dan warned me to help him write a letter to the preacher. So I wrote down exactly what Dan told me to, and he said, Preacher, the reason you have cancer is because nobody in your church is praying anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that perked him up. That's perfect. Oh, anyway, (laughs) he passed that on to the preacher. Yeah, that's, that's a real spirit lifter for the for the preacher there, I think. But out of the mouths of babes, as they say. They don't mean anything by it. They're just nope. shooting straight the way they see it. <laughs> right. Uh, now, we did get a text on the ceasefire text line that I was talking about. It said, the lake looks good at the entrance. Seems to be a lot of work going on. Glad to see it. Grew up passing the area, going to deer camp. Another big plus is it's close to calling Panther. Uh, it is a fantastic project. And the other aspect of this I want to make sure that we focus on is you're improving the state of Mississippi. You're improving that area, but you're improving the state overall by developing Mm -hmm. this camp. Well, I'd like to point out something else. We've had the military involved since 2018. Now, in 2020, they didn't get anything done. You know, nobody did. We didn't get anything done. No, the world changed for a little while. But anyway, so we've had them coming, and this summer we have them coming for the last time because by next summer we hope to start having a few camps. We have not had any camps yet. But anyway, the military, because of them buying, they're buying food here, renting equipment, Equipment here, um, bedding here. For lately, it's been in hotels, but in tents or whatever. And then uh, different things they bought when they've been here. Their trips to Vicksburg, they have put back into the Mississippi economy over twelve million dollars. Wow! So it hasn't just been a physical improvement, and it's going to mean an improvement to children's lives. They have actually put money back into our economy because they they've been renting about a million dollars worth of heavy equipment every year they pay for that 
And so, that, yeah, we've been giving back. Not many charities can give no, back like that. <laughs> no, not many charities have that big of an economic no. impact before they even really get started. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, because you said you're hoping next year you can start We're having a couple. A few, yeah, that yeah. we can have a few camps. We're going to uh, kind of get our feet wet in February of next year, and then hopefully we can. What we don't have right now. Let me tell you first what we do have. We have eight cabins, and those eight cabins can sleep 160 people. Every cabin is wide doors, bathrooms designed for children, and there are no steps anywhere at the whole camp. There are also six family cabins that are built. Each family cabin has six rooms in it. Each room will house four people, and it has its own, each room has its own bathroom. So these where families can come. We also have an open-air rec building that uh, will have basketball and tennis and things in it. We also have a multi-purpose building that isn't completed but will com- be completed this year, and it will have enough activities in it that children can spend the whole day in there and have different things to do all day. There'll be a, a music room, ceramic room, woodworking room, a dance area, library, cooking area, all kind of things. And we have a maintenance barn that is also ready. The maintenance barn has got areas where camps can store their supplies in that building from year to year. Right now, a lot of them put them in U-Hauls or different places. So these are things that we have done. What we have not finished is our infirmary and our cafeteria and a swimming pool. And those are the three things I think we have to have before we can open camp. We have the money to build the uh, infirmary. We've got that. We're working toward getting the money for the other two. We look for grants. We, Of course, we have campaigns to raise money, and we have a car show coming up the last Friday, Saturday in June, and there's a golf tournament in October, October the 5th, at a uh, 5K run. Those mainly get our name out there more than they actually raise money, but they are a wonderful opportunity to do that. So I would just like to things. say, and, and Mary would not be shy about doing this, I'm just going to beat her to the punch, they will also accept checks. Oh, absolutely. Cash. Cash is fine. If you want to show up with a stack of 20s, they will, oh, yeah. they will take it off your hands. Oh, absolutely. Just whatever you got. Uh-huh. Bitcoin, will you take Bitcoin? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think so. I thought I, need, I, thought I needed uh, to ask. Maybe there's a way I could do Get that. You know, I don't know. I don't think so. But I would much prefer cash checks, even credit cards. I mean, we you know we have a lot of different ways that we do. You know, of course, we take donations. We have actually this past summer we bought another additional 100 acres, so we now have 426 acres. And the only reason we did that was because the land bordered, as forest land, bordered our land just within yards of our cabins, and people hunted in there. Wonderful deer hunting area, mm-hmm. but we don't want them deer hunting that close to our camp. So we bought it, and we can have special deer hunts in there for our children and oh, adults. Oh, that's great! So it'll be we're gonna use it. We're thrilled to have it, but we just didn't want someone else using well, it. Well, deer hunting country, and you know somebody Absolutely. texted in and asked, said, "Where is this located?" You're just right south of here in Crystal Springs. That's right. That's right. We're actually uh, eight miles northwest of Crystal Springs, and you call you pass Colin Panther Lake on the way to our camp. And by the way, Colin Panther is the same word as Kapaya, which is the county we're in. Kamasa, the name of our camp, we call the Choctaws. We ask them for a word that meant tough, to persevere under difficulties, and not to give up, because that describes our campers. And they gave us the word Kamasa. 
So we love the name, and that's more fun for a kid to say they're going to Camp Kamasa than to have to say our original name, which was Mississippi's Toughest Kids Foundation. Yeah, yeah they kind that's of a mouthful. Them. That's yeah. a mouthful. So we're Camp Kamasa, and that's where that name came from. But the lake originally was going to be in the back. We've decided to make that area that was going to be into the lake our equestrian center. And in the front, we have about a five-acre lake that you can see from the road. Geese have seen it from the road, and we understand they bring in things we don't want, but we have now put our first fish into the lake. They're really fish bait. And so this summer we'll start stocking the, the, in our lake up there in the front. That is fantastic. Now, if somebody wants to get involved and help you in, mm-hmm. in whatever way they can, how do they get a hold of you? How do they go about uh, becoming a part of this? Well, uh, I'd love just to give you my cell number, which is 601-750-3457. But our office number, 601-892-1117, and they call the office and talk to me or they talk to other people in the office. We only have two full-time staff members in the office. We have four part-time, and then we have a maintenance man that we hired several years ago that's always out at the camp, and he's full-time. So our staff, there's always people in the office, though, and you can call there or you can text us. Uh, we have a website. We're also on Facebook, and we would just love for people to look up information about us. There's We have several YouTube videos, and there's a Camp Kamasa video, um, I mean, YouTube station that you can look at videos about us and... Actually, if you pass our office in one of our big picture windows, there's a t- big TV, and it's always got videos going up the Oh, camp. that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like yeah, that. I love to get stopped at the stoplight so I can watch it a while. <laughs> the website is Camp Kamasa. It's spelled K-A-M-A-S-S-A, two S's, mm-hmm. uh, dot com. You can go over there. You can find out more. Uh, hoping to get a few camps going next year. Uh, what what's your your very rough timeline for getting you, everything fully operational and going? When do you hope to have oh, that done by? It should be easy to do it by 2025. We may not have everything completed. Like we have a wonderful creek that runs to the back of the camp that's fed by springs, and we want to utilize that. And that may take a little longer. The baseball field may take a little longer. There's some things that. We're also going to have an agritourism area in the front with growing Christmas trees and a pumpkin patch and pumpkins and a corn maze and stuff. So that some things awesome. are a little, may not come quite as fast. Yeah, it takes a little time. Mary yeah. Kitchens, glad to meet you. You too. Great to have you on here. Thank you. And keep us updated, okay? I'd love to. Thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. We'll continue on Middays in the Element Wealth Studios next. Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi. Get the funky. Great. Now I'm having flashbacks to my grandmother forcing me to watch Lawrence Welk just because I did that voice and that phrase. <laughs> it was a good day, and now we're here. Welcome back to the Elma Well Studios Middays on Super Talk Mississippi. You do have a chance to win tickets. I am going to keep reminding both myself and Rhino of that until we actually give you a chance to win the tickets. It seems fair. 
really. Coming up after uh, the news at the top of the hour, Brian Haydad will be in here, and we'll ask him about this uh, this situation with the realignment of uh, SEC baseball, basically. Uh, I guess realignment would be the right word. Contagion. No, we're going to go with contagion, actually, because that's our word, right? It's the conference contagion. Yes. Speaking of which, by the way, uh, in case you didn't hear, Moody's uh, yesterday afternoon downgraded the banking system from stable to negative. Not Not a bank. The entire banking system of America as a whole they downgrade. Why do we have a ranking for the entire banking system as a whole? I mean, there are world records for the largest rubber band ball, so. Okay, that's a fair point, actually. Uh, stupidest record I've seen. I don't know if you saw this uh, just last week. Guys set the new world record for largest number of ping pong balls that he bounced off of a wall and caught in the shaving cream he had coated the top of his head with in 30 seconds. The record now stands at 12. This is an actual thing. Go look it up. That's worse than egg stacking. Yes. Yes. Underwater basket weaving. Always a, an appropriate elective when you're trying to fill out your schedule in college. And now you can catch ping pong balls in the shaving cream you have squirted all over your head. Has to be exact uh, an exact amount of shaving cream. You can put it up there any way you want. And then you take and you bounce the ball. They got a video of him. Guinness, well, of course. Guinness tweeted out the video of this guy doing this at his house. What I'm trying to say is... <clears throat> We're not going to make it. We're just not. This is what we're down to now. Guinness encourages at the end of the tweet, by the way, yes, this is a real record. You can try at home. If you catch me going to the store, buying enough shaving cream to coat this melon, and then chunking ping pong balls at it, Really hoping I'm athletic enough to pull off a world record. <sighs> okay, whatever. <laughs> See, you. Uh, I was not lying to Mary when she came in here, because she was talking about we had several topics before she came in. Thoroughly enjoyed having her in here, by the way. Uh, you know, th- this is basically three hours of ADHD. Then I think that's a pretty fair description. You mentioned r- world record, and my mind immediately went to catching ping pong balls with your shaving cream encrusted head. Uh, but anyway, back to the original topic. We actually had an original topic. That's novel. Uh, Moody's Investor Service cut the ranking on the entire banking system of America from stable to negative because there's so much turmoil going on right now. Well, I mean, we did have the second and third largest bank failure within 24 hours of each other. Yes, and when Rhino says that, the second and third largest bank failures in the history of America. Not, you know, a lot of times you hear these stats and it's, you know, in the last 20 years, since 2008. No, since there was an America, the second and third largest bank failures in history. That's why there was such a big deal about it. So now they've knocked it down. 
Uh, they have downgraded that. They've downgraded seven individual banking systems. Uh, none really necessarily in this area that I have seen. Uh, of course, we mentioned it yesterday. Every single banking system stock trading halted with the circuit breakers kicking in yesterday because, well, the general man on the street opinion about the entire thing yesterday consisted of the following quote, and that was it. And it showed. So anyway, what what effect does this have practically? Yeah, not much. It's something else to keep the 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 fear mill grinding away. Well, you, you got to be worried though. There might be a disruption in wine production. A little well, a little hiccup. Now we've got a problem. Yeah, because a lot of wineries were... 80% of the American wine industry was banking with SVB. Wonderful. Well, stock up on those boxes now. Get you a boxed wine and a straw and sit back and watch the carnage unfold. Well, no, sorry, used the wrong word again. The contagion. Watch the contagion unfold. We have Fox News, then Super Talk Mississippi News, and then Brian Haydad in that order live in the Element Well Studios on middays on a Tuesday morning. Good morning to you. And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Super Talk, Mississippi Middays in the Element Well Studios. Dave Hughes here. We were having a quick production meeting over there in the uh, in the green room before we came back in. Joining us now on the air, you hear him every afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi. Our buddy Brian Haydad. How you doing, Brian? Dave, good to be with you today. How are you? Yeah, doing fine, doing fine. And let let's go right to the one. This this came out oh, what about an hour, hour and a half ago. Kendall Rogers with D One Baseball says he has sources uh, that are outlining what's going to happen with baseball in the SEC, including eliminating the divisions and just cramming it all together. Have you heard anything about this? Yeah, the SEC has made that official. Uh, they, they they basically set up the the, the, the scheduling. For everything but football at this point, you know we're still waiting to see what the official word will be on football and who the uh, the permanents will be there. But yeah, the uh, the SEC will go to a a sixteen team one division format. Each team will have uh, thirty conference games, the same as they do now, uh, but only two permanent opponents, and then the other eight uh, uh, teams will rotate in and out on a yearly basis. Okay, okay. Now, 
That that leaves football as potentially the lone major sport that will still have East and West divisions, right? No. No, no. not that football is, is going to go to one division as well. There, there won't be East and West after after all this. It'll just be it'll just be the SEC and, and because of the, the way they're going to set it up with the three permanents and six rotating uh, there, there just won't be divisions anymore. Now, what what brought this about? Is it because we keep adding teams? Well, and it's 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 kind of a uh, it becomes a geographical thing, right? Like at some point, I mean, Missouri is already in the East. Can you really put Texas or Oklahoma in the East to balance things out? But but you know, it, is, it just doesn't make sense at that point. So with sixteen teams, it just makes more sense to to go to a. a Three permanent, six rotating schedule, and just lose the divisions. Top two teams in the conference will go to the SEC championship game. Now, the rotating schedule is—is is that going to be a case to where you know every three years you rotate through, and they were here last time, you're there next time? It should be a situation. They want to set it up, and this is a problem that they have right now. Is if you come to to a school and you stay five years, you know your red shirt plus your four years of eligibility, you should be able to make every trip in the conference and every team in the conference should come to your home stadium once with the way they've got this set up. Okay, that makes sense. That makes hey, this is complicated. Why does this have to be this complicated? You know, you say that, but at the same time, like right now, Mississippi State hasn't been to Florida since 2010 and they don't go for another two years. Um, State's only been to Tennessee once. Uh, they went in 2019 Prior to that, it was 2008 was the last time they were there. I mean, and the same with Ole Miss. Ole Miss played Kentucky and Oxford for the first time, I, I, I think, in over a decade last season. So, you know, that, that to me is, you know, you, you play, you're playing some non-conference. State has played Southern Miss more than it's played Tennessee, and it's in the same conference as Tennessee. So, you know, they, they got to get rid of that. I think this is a, a good step going forward. Okay, and we we have you here to talk about March Madness, but I had to go to that first because it was kind of breaking this morning, and I know you guys are going to dig into it a lot deeper this afternoon on Sports Talk, so everybody needs to tune in and hear exactly how this is going to be laid out. Talking about March Madness, we've got uh, both the men and the women from state making the trip, right? Yeah, both teams are in the play-in games. Uh, Mississippi State men play tonight at 8 o'clock. Uh, or eight ten, I guess, is the 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 tip off time that's scheduled right now uh, in Dayton against Pitt, and then uh, tomorrow night uh, over in uh, in South Bend, Indiana, uh, where the the Notre Dame is hosting that regional, will be the playing game for Mississippi State versus Illinois in the women's bracket. Now, let me. There are two answers. I'm fully aware of this. There are two different answers to the question. So, who do you think is going to win? There's the Homer answer. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, State's going to win them both, right? Hopefully that would be that would be better okay. for my uh, for our podcasting purposes. Yeah, sure. yeah, it's, it's going to make it a much easier week for you if they both win. Yeah, uh, but uh, realistically, breaking it down, what 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 do the chances look like? How does this shape up for both the men and the sure. women? We'll start with the women. I mean, they're playing a really tough team. Illinois is is been getting votes for the top twenty five. I'm really surprised to see them uh, in the uh, in the playing game. I thought they would probably be easily in the tournament, but I thought State was going to be in the tournament and in the field of 64 as well. I think their loss in the SEC tournament to Texas A&M, it, it hurt them. It hurt them that late in the season. Um, I would say Mississippi State, the, the the women have a higher ceiling than the men just because they don't have the same flaw that the men do, which is the men can't score in bunches. The women can score. But the women are more inconsistent 
week in, week in and went out week out. If you told me somebody was going to lose today, I probably would pick the women. But if you told me one of these teams made the second weekend, I would probably also pick the women because I, I think they they have the higher ceiling. For today or for these next two games, I think the women will probably go down in the in the first game. The men have a great shot. Uh, Pitt is a team that's a really good offensive team and a really poor defensive team. Mississippi State is a team that's a really poor offensive team and a really good defensive team. And and I tend to think defense just tends to travel better than offense does. So I think if State can 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 hold that Pitt offense down, they're going to find a way. And I think Pitt is going to struggle with Tolu Smith. Um, especially if they're their big man who has an incredible name, Dave. Have you heard is this guy's name? No. It's Federico Federico. It is not. That's his name. It is his name. That's their starting center's name. So if he is day to day right now with a leg injury, if he can't go tonight, they really don't have the, the the depth and the strength inside to match up with Tolu Smith. So State has a good chance to get a win tonight and move into the the field of 64. I think the women can win, but I, I would pick the men over the women right now. The center's so nice, they named him twice. They uh, named him twice. Yes. <laughs> perfect. Uh, now, you you bring to mind, it's, it's a truism and it's a cliche for football, but it, it does it apply for basketball as well? The old saying that offense wins games, defense wins championships. Do you think that applies to basketball too? It does in, in, a, in a manner of speaking, but at some point you have to be able to make shots. And, and this Mississippi State team, at the end of the day, they're really hampered in that. You know, they, they just can't make shots. And they get good looks. If you watch them play, they, they, they miss a ton of open shots. And, and that's just something at this point in the season, you're 33 games in. This is the tournament. You just are what you are at that point. There's really no fixing that. So state, that, that's why I, I have trouble seeing state making it out of the first week. And they, they could win today. They could even win on, on Friday and, and get into the second round. But beating, if they play a team like Xavier that can make shots consistently, I mean, it just becomes a, a situation where if the game gets into the 70s, you don't think Mississippi State can win. And that's, I mean, that's not a lot of points. That's not, a, that's not a high scoring game by any stretch of the imagination, but state would struggle in that kind of, in that kind of game. And I saw one stat, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think, uh, state's men rank the worst in the country in three point percentage. Is that true? Dead last. Yeah. Dead last. Three, 363 out of 363, I believe. Ouch. Uh, just, just, just a, I mean, that's just their, their, like I said, they have a fatal flaw. If you watch State play, almost all of their shots are either within three feet of the basket or an open three. And if they would, if they, if they shot the ball the way Pitt does, for example, Pitt shoots 46% from the field and 35% from three. If State shot like that, they would have been a one or a two seed the way they play defense. I mean, that's, that's, that's how bad they've been offensively. The fact that they're even in the tournament as bad offensively as they are. It is a real testament to Chris Jans and the job that he's done this first year in Starkville. Well, we're going to put that to the test about defense winning championships just to see if they can yes. make it past the first round here. Because State, mm-hmm. we, we, we talk about their flaws, but the State men have an incredible defense. They do. Yeah, it's it's one of the best in the country, and it's it's been with them all year. There's only been a couple of games this year where defensively that I felt like they didn't show up. That was at Tennessee, and it was in the last game of the regular season at Vanderbilt where they gave up a lot of three pointers. This Pitt team likes to shoot the three ball too, so that's that's something to watch uh, for them. They 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 all they've got four or five guys in their lineup who are 35, 30, 33 percent shooters from three point range. So they 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 spread it around. They get a lot of points and they get a lot of looks. 
Now, one of the best defenses in the country, but they still have their work cut out for them for this one. So the men, the men tip off tonight, or is it the women tonight, or both? The men are tonight, eight o'clock, uh, eight ten tip on uh, True TV, and of course you can always listen on your local Super Talk affiliate if it's a Mississippi State affiliate. And then the women are tomorrow night, uh, I think five p.m. tip over in uh, South Bend. Well, I'm hoping you have an incredibly easy week for the the podcast because that would mean they both won. And you get to have a much see. better conversation that way, right? Yes, yes. People people like to listen to good news more than bad news. Most yeah, of the time. Every single day. Sports Talk this afternoon at 3 o'clock. You guys already have a lot to talk about today. It's going to be a good show. Everybody needs to tune in. Absolutely. And catch and see what's going on. Brian, always enjoy talking to you, man. Thanks, Dave. Great to talk to you, man. Anytime, sir. Anytime. We will continue here in the Element Well Studios on middays on Super Talk Mississippi right after this. Keep it here. Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now, now, on to the real part. On Super Talk Mississippi. What happened to them? The gin blossoms. What happened to them? I want to say they're still around. I don't know why I want to say that. I'll double check. Yeah. Loved them. And then they just kind of faded away into the background. Welcome back, Middays, in the Element Wealth Studios. Dave Hughes here. Still a chance to win tickets, as I continue to remind Rhino and myself. I'm, at this point, I'm going to make us give away the tickets just so we don't have to hear me talk about it anymore. So apparently the Gin Blossoms were a band from 1987 to 1997. They broke up and took a break. And then in 2001, they got back together. And since then, they've released Major Lodge Victory as an album in 2006, No Chocolate Cake in 2010, and Mixed Reality in 2018. Okay. I haven't heard of any of those. Nope, me either. Haven't heard of a single song from them since the 90s. They were great then. Now, not much. Uh, Sports Talk, we were talking to Brian Haydad just a moment ago. Sports Talk on the road this Friday uh, at the Sportsbook at Time Out Lounge at the Pearl River Resort. There will be some madness of the March variety being talked about there. I can guarantee that. Uh, It's going to be a a lot of fun, great conversation. Don't forget, you can call in and, uh, or rather get in on the action anytime at the Sportsbook at the Time Out Lounge which the guys with Sports Talk will have a great opportunity to do on Friday afternoon. Um, we is still have the ticket giveaway. Saw one of the boxes just the other day from Morgan Wallen. We're talking about the, the oh, yeah. train tickets we're giving away, but we're still taking registrations for the box seats. Uh, you, you can come cram into the box with the rest of us 
to see Morgan Wallen. Uh, you can go all over the place. You can go to uh, the, the old Coke plant in Brookhaven, uh, Weathers Auto in Oxford, the Family Fun Center in Biloxi, a bunch of more places all over the state. You'll see the boxes sitting in there. You fill out your little registration blank. and The one I saw was crammed full. Don't ask me why, but for some reason, I see a Super Talk giveaway box, and it catches my attention. So I pay attention, and I looked over, and yeah, it was crammed full. Uh, I actually had to had to make them put some more blanks out because they were running low, which, which is good. That's what we want. Everybody needs a chance. It's all brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brickhaven. But, uh, well, it, it's not going to run forever. The show's next month. So you got to go ahead and get your registration in right now. You can go to supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen and get a complete list of the locations uh, where you can go and register to have your chance to win. Did you hear <clears throat> the list is out, our old friends at Wallet Hub. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's never a good setup, is it? They have released their list of the fattest cities in America. They, they didn't use that term, but it was close. The most overweight and obese cities in the U.S. for 2023. Now, one thing that you have to remember, they, there was a minimum population size for them to count you as a city. And so they looked at everybody 100,000 up. So Mississippi only had one city that was looked at, which was Jackson. Fifth in America. The fifth chunkiest city in America, according to Wallet Hub, behind uh, McAllen and Edinburgh Mission, Texas. That was number one. Memphis was number two. I can tell you the problem there. It's the barbecue. I know what's causing that difficulty. Number three was Mobile, which almost kind of surprised me a little bit. Hmm. I wouldn't have guessed that one. It makes sense, but I wouldn't have guessed that one. Out of all the Alabama towns, yeah, that would not have been even in my top three, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Knoxville is number four, and then Jackson, number five on the list of the chunkiest places. What I really was amazed by was the fact that, you know, Baton Rouge came in as, like, uh, number 12. The one that I felt certain would make it, you know, to the top of the list was New Orleans. Come on. It's New Orleans. It's food. On the 27th. All the way down at 27. I'm trying to think of a population center from West Virginia that would be on the list. Well, let's see. Hold they on. generally rank right up there with us on the the bottom of some lists. Uh, now, Washington, Arlington, Alexandria, that area, uh, 91st. That is the only place on the list, I think, that West Virginia appears hmm. out of the top 100. So, yeah, it, yeah, that would make sense. But again, you got the limiting factor of it's got to be a, a city of 100,000 or higher. So that, that limits things just a little bit. <sighs> Gary and the Berg, everybody start eating. We can't lose our fat title. This is embarrassing. We, well, look, 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 we got to look at this from a positive aspect. We're top five in something. Yeah, we're not number one. We're not dead last. 
I'm looking for all the wins I can. You're sitting over there laughing at me right now. I'm, well, I'm laughing at the, the fact that obese is the word they used in the title, and that's considered a slur now. Yes. Which is a more clinical way of saying fat. So if obese is a slur, is fat like an unforgivable curse? I think so, yes. Yeah. Just straight to jail if you say it? Yes. I, I, I think at that point, yeah, you get double canceled. They cancel you, and then they pick you up, dust you off, and then they cancel you again. Ah. Yeah. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you? Yes, OB. So I just wanted to let you know, in case you hadn't gotten the memo, Wallet Hub would like to tell you, uh, Jackson, you're fat. They didn't put it in exactly those words, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Why do everything Wallet Hub does, number one, they've got way too much time on their hands. Number two, they seem to have it in for us. We always rank high on the bad lists and low or don't even appear on the good lists every time. I mean, part of that is just a function of how, how things are. I realize that. I sometimes do wonder how they come up with some of their surveys they're going to do. And then I think maybe they've just got a whole bunch of data points and then they have a lotto machine with ping pong balls where they've just got random words written on it. And they open it up, pull out the random words, and all right, how can we turn this into a survey? Why can't they do one for best catfish in America and then we can just win it and spike the ball in the end zone and strut back off to the locker room? But no, we can't do that. It's got to be the best fried kale or something uh, so that Seattle can place well. <sighs> Dog says on the C Spire text line, they didn't count my house. Yeah. That's all right. We keep trying. We keep applying ourselves. We just need to find the per capita poundage ranking. Why do I have the most horrid feeling that that exists somewhere? Oh, it's got to somewhere. Yeah, somebody has sat down and done that. I'm sure funded by taxpayer dollars. Oh, yeah. It's a research grant. I mean, if we're figuring out the sexuality of the jungle frogs, then yeah. I'm sure somebody knows the per capita poundage. Sean says, my doctor's chart labels me as obese when I go in for a checkup. I like to call it thick in all the wrong places. <laughs> are there any wrong places, really, when we get down to it? Come on. Places are just places. I've always had a little bit of a problem with the chart, with, with, with that scale. The BMI chart? Well, now, you know, they, they have the weight scale where, you know, you're, it's the same formula, basically, but your height and your weight, depending on how tall you are and whether you're male or female, uh, if you weigh over a certain amount, you're considered obese, you're considered morbidly obese. I don't get that. that, that is, that's off. And here's why I say that, okay? Hold on. Live radio here. Live radio as I roll over my headphones. If you're looking on C Spire TV, I am considered overweight. By my weight and my height, I am considered overweight. I need to lose a few pounds. It just seems a bit off to me. It wasn't designed for southern people. No, it was not designed for a fry daddy. That, that's where everything went horribly wrong. 
Louie from the 662, my doctor said I need to get into shape. I told him round is a shape. It is. Ben in Oxford says Southern Living Magazine did the best catfish in Mississippi, and Taylor Grocery got first place, as well they should have. Reese and Clarksdale. The spin doctor is in. Synonym for fat or obese? Whale-like. Lefties love whales. There's a green piece we ride on it. PETA will show up. We, we, standing in a Walmart parking lot in Sontag going, we must protect these beautiful creatures. We'll continue on middays right after this. Keep it here. FM. It days with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi Middays on a Tuesday morning. Dave Hughes in the studio, the Element Wealth Studio. Having a good time on this Tuesday. A little bit chilly outside, but that's okay. It's spring break time, so obviously. Spring break and baseball. It's going to be cold and wet. There's nothing you can do. Every time. All my years with Dixie Youth, when it came time to start practicing, it was going to be six degrees outside with a 30-mile-an-hour north wind every time. I don't know why. That's just the way it works out. Got people on the ceasefire text line about the weight. Moe says, I'm six feet tall, I weigh 210. Supposedly I'm overweight. I say I'm under tall. I, I get it. I'm 6'1", 195. I am considered on the low end of the range, but I'm looking at the BMI chart. I'm considered overweight at 6'1", 195. Just seems to be a little bit skewed to me. I wonder when the last time they updated those things was. You know, that's a great question. I'm not sure that it has been updated. It's just the way it is. Because you look at the stereotypical, ideal, strapping young man from World War II, and they look like Captain America before the super soldier serum. Yes. Yes. A little tiny. Tiny people. I'm looking at the chart. Let's go with the common height, 5'10". A lot of people can relate to 5'10". 5'10", if you're at about 170, you are on the borderline for being overweight at that point. So you, you can, you can you know, work it from there. Uh, Kirk from Columbus, I knew a guy when I was in the Navy that weighed in excess of 350 pounds. But his neck was so large, he didn't meet the obesity standards and couldn't fit through the escape doors. That that would be a problem. Yeah. So I don't know. 510-140, I think you're good. We will be glad to provide for you a sandwich. Yeah, no, I think you're good. And th this does definitely relate to, to health, but... 
I just think it's skewed, and I agree with you. I'd love to know when the last time this was updated, if they're continuously looking at it, what, what, the, what the situation there is. Um, a couple of things from the legislature. As you know, yesterday afternoon they signed the blueberry bill. You now officially have a state fruit. You're welcome. Blueberry is a good choice. My grandfather had like 30 blueberry trees in the woods behind his house. Uh, we had blueberry trees at my house. It's been a thing. I used to, okay, back in my daytime, blueberry trees in our backyard, when I was a kid, I'm talking like, you know, nine, ten, and I wanted money because, you know, they had another one of those uh, Mego superhero action figures I wanted or, you know, it was fireworks season, something I wanted to spend some money on. i go back in the back and I'd pick a gallon of blueberries and then I would walk across the street down to the grocery store and sell them to the produce manager. I'm not sure you can do that anymore. We have too many regulations. Yeah, I had no certificates showing if it was, you know, GMO or not or anything else. I just walked in with a... With an old ice cream bucket. Remember the plastic ones with the metal handle? Yeah. Walked in with an ice cream bucket full of blueberries, went back, asked to speak to the produce manager, and he'd buy them. And then he'd take them and wash them and package them up and put them out for sale. Used to happen. So blueberries, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. Uh, there is one today that I would assume is going to go into effect, but the uh, bill to limit the way electric vehicles can be sold in the state, bring it under the dealership regulations and everything. Uh, It passed, went to the governor's desk, House Bill 401, and there's a certain time between when it reaches the governor's desk and it just becomes law without his signature, or he has to sign it, or he has to veto it. That's the three possibilities. Today is that deadline for that bill. And a lot of people didn't quite understand when that clock started counting down because it's not the second it passes the legislature there's still some proceedings they have to go through it has to be enrolled it has to be signed by the speaker and then signed by the lieutenant governor and then it goes to the governor's desk so there's usually a day or two in there where they're finalizing the legalese and then the countdown starts exactly well and it, it's officially listed uh, that it's uh due from the governor march 14th right. which is today so we've got until close of business today now the way this plays out again there are three possibilities he could veto it he could just sign it with no comment or he could do nothing, and it would go into law without his signature, which is kind of a statement in and of itself for a lot of things when uh, a governor just let... He signed the blueberry bill, okay? This one's been sitting there for the whole time. Today is the last day of the deadline, trying to figure out what he's going to do, possibly, or just content to let it go into law without his signature on it. We'll find out by the end of the day what's going to happen, because one of those three things will happen at the end of today with that law. So if you've been tracking that, uh, House Bill 401, uh, if you've been tracking that one, we'll find out today what the end result of that is going to be. If I were going to make odds, if I were going to make a bet, I mean, I mean, it's, it's uh, I, I think, a pretty good chance it's going to go into law. The only question is what method is going to 
to happen because I, well, I, I'm I'm going to say I'm going to guess. Okay, it's totally a guess, and functionally it doesn't make that much of a difference. But uh, I, I'm going to say it's just going to go into law we'll without see. a signature. Without a signature, we'll, we'll just see. I did a little digging on the BMI, and the BMI scale was changed by the United States National Institutes of Health in 1998. Before 1998, the normal overweight cutoff for BMI was 27.8 for men and 27.3 for women. In 1998, they just lowered that to 25, ah. instantly making millions of Americans technically overweight. How convenient. So instead of adjusting for, I don't know, the growth of the human race, they notched it back a couple. Yeah. Because if you look at the statistics, human human beings are getting bigger. Oh yeah, and I'm not talking in terms of of obesity or whatever. It just just in height, just in size, uh, they're getting bigger. So that kind of applies in all directions and all dimensions. There, that was 25 years ago. Are are we overdue? Of course, I say that. I'm scared to suggest that they go take another look at it. They may lower it again. So I don't know, but it seems like it's been long enough that they should uh, they should go review that again. Ray from Forrest with a very accurate correction. I think I said trees. Blueberries grow on bushes, not trees. The, the, this is an important topic this week in the state of Mississippi, but he is exactly 100% correct. Blueberry bushes. I, I When I was a kid, I referred to them as blueberry trees because, you know, I was a short little thing, and some of those that my grandfather had were five, six feet tall. They were trees to me, and it kind of stuck. I still have to battle through that from time to time. Uh, somebody asking here about the uh, the House Bill 401, uh, if it would go into effect upon the governor's signature July 1st, the answer is July 1st. Uh, like the majority of things that go into law, uh, if it goes through today when one of the two methods it will take effect on july 1st not until then there has been some talk that the one tesla store that we have could kind of be grandfathered in but we'll wait and see how that plays out as we move forward because that's the thing the tesla store in mississippi here in jackson is not a dealership it's a store that's the official classification of it and kind of how they they dodge around that a little bit, which is part of the point of this law is to close those loopholes. But we have talked about this here on Super Talk quite a bit. It has been discussed back and forth. It is not an easy lay down. Everybody is on the same page idea. So we will we will see how things play out moving forward. But if it does go into law, it will be July first uh, when it actually happens. Darren and Jackson, should I hold off on having that double bacon cheeseburger I had planned for lunch until they get those BMI numbers straightened out? you got to keep your strength up waiting for the scientific research to finish. So I would say go ahead and have one and get the double fries. That's just me, though. At this point, I haven't done this in a while. Let me dig it down here. <clears throat> The nutrition views of the host of this show do not reflect the attitudes, opinions, 
our advice of Super Talk Media and especially Rebecca Turner. Just had to put the disclaimer in and now we're fine. I think I was okay until I suggested the double fries. That was a little bit over the line, but... Just go to Five Guys. The small fries, plenty. Small fries? You better be in a pickup. Good grief. They buy their potatoes by the planet size. We will continue here on Super Talk Mississippi, live in the Element Wealth Studios on middays after this. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll do it live on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm flashing back over here. That song, it was, of course, part of the Back to the Future movie, the original, back in the 80s. That was the end credits music. That was the only place this was played was over the end credits, and at that point, it was like 1985, 84. Uh, Internet didn't exist. Nothing else existed. So everybody went around going, that was a great song. What was it? None of us had the attention span to sit through the credits, so we couldn't find out, and it took forever. And then they finally released it because everybody was asking about it. It's the way things used to work. Welcome back to the Element Well Studios, Super Talk, Mississippi, North Carolina. Let's go up there just very quickly as we end the hour. School district up there, the International School at Gregory, North Carolina, part of the new Hanover County School District up there uh they have they have been advised to test the blood of all their students yeah that should have your attention now the reason why a state inspection found three different lead poisoning hazards in the school now i haven't gotten to the kicker of this story yet the kicker is contained within the three locations where they found lead poisoning two of them were in the gym one on uh, the floor of the auditorium stage. The second one was the foyer in the gym, the the entrance area going into the gym. Both of those had uh, samples between two and three times the state standards for lead. The big one, though, here comes the conversation. Get ready. The floor of the mental health closet tested at more than 2,400 times the standard. Number one, did did they just paint it with lead? Like, not lead-based paint, just pure lead, 2,400 times the state standard? But more importantly... I feel like you could chew on a Civil War bullet and get less lead than that. I think so. But that brings me to the, well, here's the conversation. That was the floor of the mental health closet. Now, you might think that's where they store all their mental health. You would be wrong. 
that is basically a, a safe space where the kids can go and shut the door and be by themselves for a minute and have a good cry or scream or kick around or apparently take all the lead out of their pockets and throw it on the floor. I don't know what they're doing in there, but here's my question. Is it helping or hurting the mental health of the students who lock themselves in this small room that they're being exposed to 2,400 times the safe level of lead? Are they better or worse when they come out? At that point, it's no longer a safe space. It's just a space. It's, it's barely that. I think it was mostly lead. I think it's just crammed in there. So now they have issued this statement, and they're telling the parents to please get their children's blood tested, especially if they have availed themselves of the mental health closet. How did we wind up in the timeline where we're having to discuss potential lead poisoning from the floor of the mental health closet at a public school? You told somebody that sentence. You said that out loud 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and they would look at you like you had lost your mind. What are you even talking about? Those are all words, but they don't fit together in a sentence. Oh, yeah, Bubba, they do. They do now. So, just remember, <laughs> Mo's question, was the mental health closet made of lead? I'm starting to wonder, Mo's. Ed from New Hope, nuclear fallout shelter. It would have been safe as long as the bomb, you know, exploded underground and... Because it was the floor. You know, where you put most of your nuclear shielding, your radiation shielding, on the floor. What it, I, I would love to know, and they don't have any details. They just uh, released the inspection report. One of the buildings, and, and, you know, Ed may be onto something here. One of the buildings was built between 1933 and 1954. The other one was built in 1998. And despite these three findings, the buildings in the inspection report were listed as being in fair condition. I don't know whether to focus on the lead count or the fact that they have a mental health closet. I really don't know which one to focus on here. Well, I mean, both are concerning for totally different reasons. <sighs> Mose says that Lackland Air Force Base, our commander had a soundproof room constructed for us to use as stress relief. We called it the scream room. That can be therapeutic. It really can. Just go get somewhere by yourself and just let it out. Sometimes that helps. I mean, there's a whole business model where they have used appliances and glassware and protective equipment and baseball bats and a big room for you to go crazy with. It only helps if when you take that big gasping breath to get ready for the scream, you don't inhale your own body weight in lead. That That's really only when it's helpful. We've got Fox News. We've got Super Talk Mississippi News. I'm headed to the mental health closet. We'll be back in a few on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply, to think deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi.
My day for production meetings, apparently. Welcome back. Hour number three of Middays, live in the Element Wealth Studios. Dave Hughes in on this Tuesday. Rhino over in the booth, as always. I got a question for you, and I want to get into this subject because, well, they have they have released a study uh, regarding TikTok that has been a big conversation. Uh, and it's it's getting banned everywhere. Did it here in Mississippi? Doing it everywhere on government devices and government networks. Two things. Number one, the study that they did, they went around and talked to people. Uh, and uh, one university student that they talked to uh, said, yeah, well, it, it got banned, it got blocked on our network, so I just went to a VPN on my mobile data, and I'm just still going, it's fine. It took me like three minutes. So, number one, not really accomplishing anything. But the question that has come up that the people they were surveying was were coming back with was, why, why don't we care about Facebook collecting our data? Why don't we care about these other apps collecting our data? And I know the, the reasoning is, well, it's China. So collecting data and surveilling citizens is fine as long as it's good old American surveillance? Is that the message we're pushing here? It kind of is, isn't it? That's what it feels like. It's kind of what it feels like. <clears throat> not saying it's wrong. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about data collection from TikTok. What I'm saying is we should also be concerned about data collection from everybody. Because it's gotten a bit out of hand. They can say all they want that your phone is not listening to you. I have had far too many instances of things that I've never searched for, I've never looked at anything on my phone, on my computer, anywhere. Something will just random come up in conversation where I'm talking to my wife or somebody about it, and then I'll go look on Facebook and I get shown an ad for it. And I'm like, there is literally only one way you could have targeted me with that. So... There's more going on than we are told. We have, we have learned that. We know that. Why are we not concerned about everybody? What, what, what's, what's the driving force behind that, Rhino? I think part of it is the disparity between what is presented in China on TikTok by the algorithm compared to what is presented to American youth via TikTok with the algorithm. If you look at the short videos that are made available on TikTok to Chinese youth, you'll find a lot of simple engineering. You'll find a lot of algebra and calculus. You'll find mechanical engineering. You'll find educational videos that are designed to be educational and entertaining. You look at what's available to American youth on TikTok because of the algorithm. You've got a whole bunch of asinine dancing and nonsensical clips thrown together to avoid copyright protection. Yes, the, the 10 best ways to cook and prepare a Furby. Yeah, it's that kind of mess. And you're exactly right. But I think partially that's because of the algorithm that's driven by the interests in oh, part. Yeah. You know, because in America, that's what we're interested in. Tomfoolery, as my grandparents would have said. 
whereas they have a different focus in China, which is guided by them, admittedly. But I would also say if it was all educational stuff in China, they don't have a choice. Over here, nobody would use it. Right. It would just go away. Look, look at the ratings of PBS versus every other channel on TV as Exhibit A and what I'm talking about here. So I understand where that drive and that algorithm comes from. But I guess what bothers me and what worries me is we keep picking and choosing. Because we keep having, and you you bring up some good points, but nobody's talking about that aspect of it. Everything that we hear is about the data collection and being spied on. Well, we're being spied on by Facebook. What are we doing about that? Or is that okay? That's what kind of gets under my skin a little bit. Yes, it's a problem. It's a problem with all of them. You don't get to pick and choose which part of the problem you deal with and the rest of it. Well, that's just the way it is. No. If it's a problem, it's a problem. And it is a problem. I agree. I think the other problem that people have with TikTok is it is a little bit more aggressive in mining your device for information. True. It, It goes a little deeper into your device hardware. It goes a little deeper into your contact list. It goes deeper into the the cache of what you have looked for or searched for. And it it gives the Chinese more data on you than the other apps are collecting on you. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But analogy is usually and almost always suspect, but this is as close as I can come on this one. Uh, if the speed limit's 70, it doesn't matter if you're doing 75 or 90, you're still doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Right. It's a matter of degree. I tackle the worst one first, that's fine. What's the plan to get it all straight? What's, what's the plan to get it all under control? If there's not one, well, this is a political flag we're waving just to get attention and bonus points. Because if it's a problem, it's a problem. You don't understand, Dave. You just don't understand. It's China. Didn't you hear us say the word China? It's China. And? I mean, people use Google Maps all the time to get around. How do you think Google knows where the traffic jams are? I got a better one for you. If China is what you're screaming, that's great, that's fine, and that's true. Are you really telling me right now and for the last two years you trust the American government? Really? Please make that argument for me. Provide exhibits and and evidence as to why you suddenly trust the American government for the last two years. Right. But we're not going to talk about that. That's fine. It's fine, whatever. I I just want to point that out. We're we're treating one problem like it is the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of humanity, and the rest of the problem as if, well, that's, that's just business as usual, Dave. That's the way things work. What are you so upset about? I don't like being spied on. That's that's what I'm upset about. That's it. Here's how obvious it gets when, when, when things go that way. Here's how obvious it can be, and people think that it's fine and they can get away with it. I don't know if you heard about this story. Guy in Florida, a customer 
at a, a little coffee shop, noticed that there was an iPhone propped up under the sink in the bathroom. So he called the cops. Well, first he went and confronted the guy working up front who got irate and actually assaulted him. So then he called the cops. The cops show up. The guy, Spyridon, that's his first name, Spyridon Vulgaricus, working at We Spy Coffee, was spying on the guys in the men's room. Who could have seen that coming, right? A guy named Spy working at We Spy Coffee was spying on people. That's how obvious it can be. The police have come out and said this one person that noticed it was the first one. This had apparently, according to the phone, because they grabbed the phone and checked through it, had been going on for quite a while. It can be that obvious. And we just go about our business. A guy named Spy at We Spy Coffee is spying on people, and it takes forever before anybody notices and then they're surprised. It's like Dracula working the night shift at a hospital under the alias Dr. Acula. Oh, Alucard. Wasn't that the, the name he used when he was undercover? So I'm just saying if it's a problem, and it is, no disputing that. No disputing the, the conversations and the actions about TikTok at all. Not, not saying that. I'm just saying, so you done? Why? It's my thought on that. It's my question. By the way, I'm going to go sit in the chair over there and hold my breath waiting for an answer because it ain't coming. We both know that. We continue on Super Talk Mississippi live in the Element Well Studios on middays right after this. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Super Talk Mississippi. Middays in the Element Wealth Studios, where we now finally have something in common with a bank. When Moody's downgraded the entire banking system, they said it was due to a rapidly deteriorating operating environment. That's us. Hi. How you doing? Uh, I got some breaking news here. You, you just noticed this during the break, Rhino, about a collision in the Black Sea. <sighs> Yeah, there was an MQ-9 drone piloted by the U.S. doing normal reconnaissance missions over the Black Sea. In international waters. In international waters. That was intercepted by a Russian Su-27, I believe. And the two aircraft collided, completely destroying the American drone. And the Su-27 has now landed safely. Yeah. So we are now to the kamikaze pilots portion of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. We're just going to drive into it. Yeah, why not? This is not progressing well 
for us. No. Nowhere close. That That is, I know this sounds fairly inconsequential, and in a way it is. A Russian plane hit an American drone. And you're like, okay, yeah, no. Couple of things you have to realize: this is a military drone. This isn't like the thing you can go buy for a couple of hundred bucks at the store and take pictures of the back forty. This is a very complicated, very expensive piece of equipment uh, conducting military operations in international waters. This is not an incident, but boy, is it awfully close to it. And if they're reaching the point to where they will come out to even intercept it in international waters, it's not a good look. It's not a good thing. So we're going to, well, one more thing for us to watch. Why not? It's a day that ends in why. There's stuff going wrong everywhere, right? It's the way not it, par for the course. Yeah, it's the way it seems to work. Um, speaking of the banking crisis, I don't know if you saw this. People are putting Silicon Valley Bank swag on eBay. It's got the Silicon Valley Bank logo on it. They're putting it on eBay. One guy has a cardboard box. It's about the same size as a as a piece of paper, a little bit bigger, a little bit thicker, which makes sense because he got an offer letter to go to work for them about a month ago before all of this happened, and it came in the box. It's dented on the front. He listed it on eBay as a collectible item. As of yesterday, the bids were at $201. For a box. A dented, empty cardboard box because it had the Silicon Valley Bank logo on it. So speculation got the bank in high water, and now speculation's making bank employees a little extra cash. Yeah. It's the circle of life, really, (sighs) when you look at it. Darren and Jackson, Biden will just apologize to Russia and beg forgiveness. I hope we didn't scratch your jet. <laughs> Let's see here. There was something else I saw. Where was it? Bah, 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 bah. I don't see it now. I can't find it. Anyway. Well, I mean, speaking of America versus Russia, Putin has not forgotten five years ago when between 200 and 300 Russian soldiers were completely obliterated when they tried to pull a stunt in Syria. Yeah. Well, and I I think that the one way that the Ukraine conflict with Russia is working in our favor, we were talking about this, is that it makes China kind of sit back and really think hard before they do anything about Taiwan. And I don't know if you've noticed, uh, President Biden, in his fumbling, bumbling, stumbling way, has been pretty clear that if China goes into Taiwan, he feels like we're going to do something about it. That's the impression that we've given, which is that's leaning into winding up in a conflict with China. I mean, currently we're already training Taiwanese soldiers with American forces. They, they take part in war games with us. Uh, we have made several diplomatic trips to Taiwan. And when you look at it in the, the scope of Russia versus Ukraine, the sanctions are starting to have a pretty significant impact on the Russian economy. It took longer than the West expected, but it's happening. So China now looks at a situation with Taiwan and goes, 
Well, they're going to do one of two things. Either they're going to hit us with sanctions, which we feel like we can endure for a time, or the West is going to realize that sanctions aren't the end-all, be-all, and force is going to be a bigger factor. Yeah, let's not go there. Can we just not go there? (sighs) We're going there. It looks more and more like it every day. And we got all the way off into this conversation because of what happened with the Russian jet and the American drone. It doesn't sound like that big of a deal. In the, in the scope of everything else going on, you look at that and go, eh, and? And for the most part, you're right, but with, well, if, if the, all the hay in the barn is bone dry, the first match that lands in the wrong place causes a huge problem. Doesn't take a big match. Doesn't take a flamethrower. Right match in the wrong place at the right time, and you got a problem. And you never really 100% know. Because you go back and you study history and how various wars started and world wars, it was never anything that you went, oh, yeah, that's it. It's on now. No. It doesn't work that way. So I get a little nervous when I see things like that for just that reason, because I have studied history. So we'll keep an eye on that and, and see what pops up there. This just keeps getting more cheerful as we go, doesn't it? Alex thought we were done at noon. We might should have been. <laughs> we, we could have just played show tunes for an hour, gone for a nice hoagie. Moe's chimed in on the ceasefire text line. He says, Dave, we've been preparing for the next war in the Pacific Rim since the 90s. Yeah. Well, really, almost earlier than that. Uh, I would I would argue it probably goes back into the late 80s is when that really started as we were winding down from preparing for the nuclear war with Russia. That obviously never happened. Hopefully we get to laugh about this the same way. But you're right, we've been preparing for this for a long time. But it just seems a lot more likely right now, doesn't it? with the way things are going. I'll be curious to see. We need to check with everything else going on, and it may just disappear into the background noise if that has any effect on the markets, on financial situations. I don't think it will, unless there's some Maybe kind for of... some defense contractors. Unless there's some kind of response from Russia about this, in a statement, verbally, whatever... They could stoke some stuff. But aside from that, no. We we got other fish to fry. Not paying attention to that. Not going to pay attention to that. Uh, And that's completely understandable. Not going to get into it right now. Before we go, have you heard about the lieutenant governor of Tennessee? No. We're talking about uh, earlier social media. We were talking about, uh, you know, tracking you and things like that. This is a different thing. I think, I agree, that there should be age limits on social media usage. But there should be lower and upper age limits. (laughs) The lieutenant governor has messed up so bad that he wound up being parodied on Saturday Night Live for it up in Tennessee. Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. 
to the point to where he announced yesterday he's pausing all his social media activity to reconsider things. 79-year-old lieutenant governor in Tennessee. And it's just a function of the way things played out, the way things developed, and the way things came out. Uh, There's a lot of folks out there in the upper age range that do not understand how social media works. That's not a knock on them. It's not a fault. Almost the opposite in a way. But it's also just a fact. When we come back after the break, I'm going to give you this story and you'll see what I'm talking about, what he has done. Oh, but whatever you're thinking, if you haven't heard about this, whatever you're thinking he did, oh no, it's much worse than that. You'll see when we come back here on Super Talk Mississippi. Let's just shake everything up and we'll give away the tickets in the next segment instead of the last one. How about that? <laughs> I've been trying for two and a half hours to get to this. And we haven't done it yet, so next ta- uh, next segment, chance to win tickets to see Train at the Brandon Amphitheater, <laughs> assuming we don't get caught up in the middle of something again, because that tends to happen when Rhino and I are in the same building together. We continue on Middays, live in the Element Wealth Studios, in just a few minutes. Keep it here. to get started today. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Once again, frighteningly appropriate bumper music to lead into this story. Middays in the Element Well studio, Tennessee Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally announced yesterday he's pausing all of his social media activity. If you haven't heard about this, let me explain what the 79-year-old lieutenant governor of Tennessee has been doing and why I say we should have age limits on social media use, but it should have a bottom and a top end, which is frighteningly appropriate phraseology for this story because last week uh, it came to everybody's attention and he was questioned about the fact that he was commenting on nearly nude photos of a young gay model on Instagram. A guy. Uh, he he commented on one photo of a man's backside wearing just underwear. His comment, you can turn a rainy day into rainbow and sunshine. <laughs> then he posted a follow-up comment that was just a heart and the fire emoji. <clears throat> Another post where the man was pulling his underwear down, he posted just a heart. Now, here's the thing. When they asked him, when they initially asked him about this last week, his exact statement on this was he had no intention of stopping. (laughs) 
He then, <laughs> you can't make this up, man. He then came back and apologized, said it wasn't his intention to embarrass his friends, family, or members of the legislature. He, he says, and he believes this, his intent was always engagement and encouragement. This is what I meant when I said there is a certain segment of the upper age of the population that does not understand social media, doesn't understand how it works, doesn't understand how to use it, and doesn't understand how you're perceived when you use it. He thought he was being encouraging when he was posting on pictures of a young male gay model pulling his underwear down saying, you make the world sunshine and rainbows. Like a grandpa bragging on somebody's art they brought home from preschool. Good job! So now he has posed all of his, uh, paused all of his social media, or posed possibly all of his social media activity until, <clears throat> well, he says, quote, in order to reflect and receive more guidance on the use of social media. You can't even see that horse from the barn at this point. It has, it has crossed the pasture, it went over the ridge, it's out of view. It's gone. That horse is out. It's beyond the curvature of the earth. Yes, you're not getting it back. Oh, now you've stirred up the flat earthers. <laughs> Thanks. We were having a good time, and then you had to drag us off into that. He admitted, McNally admits that he may have made, and I quote here, some mistakes. <clears throat> Which that is more than you will get from the vast majority of politicians. He then went on to disagree that he had a record of being anti-gay, then pointed to his support of traditional marriage and bills that keep obscenity out of the public sphere, while he's commenting on the gay model pulling his underwear down with a heart emoji and the fire emoji. He, he, he supports keeping obscenity out of the public sphere. His comment when presented with all this, and I quote again, <clears throat> There is no contradiction here. Well, maybe not to you. The rest of us, we have questions. So I'm, I'm just saying we need to consider this from all angles, and this is probably the best poster child case of, yeah, there are a lot of people and a lot of groups that just shouldn't be using social media, but it's not just the young end. Because he, he, the way he has presented, and I believe this, by the way, I thoroughly believe this, he thought he was being encouraging. He thought he was being encouraging, he thought he was pumping people up and making them feel good and driving engagement for his social media account. He believed that. He didn't help well anything, actually, by doing this. So, just want to point that out as we continue to have these conversations about TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and everything else, and we talk about how dangerous it is for the kids to use. Is it sad that this story reminds me of a situation in my own life? Not at all, because we have time before the break, and I need to hear this now. Go right ahead. Let me so, get settled and comfortable. I want to hear this one. It's been almost a decade now since I made my Twitter account to be 
a public-facing person on the radio. And within the first year or so of me having this particular Twitter account, I got a very nice message from an older gentleman asking me if I would please stop liking pictures of women in bikinis because they were appearing on his timeline and his heart couldn't take it. (laughs) And because he was so sincere and asked so nicely, I have legitimately tried to not like pictures of scantily clad women on my Twitter account ever since. <laughs> that's that's kind of along the same lines, but it's not really the same. But it, it is. I see why that popped up in your head from this story. There is a certain age group that doesn't get it, and that's fine. We're going to be in that same place one day. I'm not knocking that. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just stating a fact. And this story, illust- that story illustrated. Please, please stop making me look at pretty women. I have blood pressure issues, young man. Just don't completely uh, grasp it. Again, his his admission was he was pausing all of his social media activity until he could get, he could get more training on how to use social media, which wouldn't be a bad thing, I don't think. But. Let's quit piecemealing our problems and only looking one at one side of things, because that leads to more problems down the road. This is a, a great example of that. Yeah, should, should an 8-year-old be looking at porn on their phone? Of course not. Should a 79-year-old be posting on images of gay models pulling their underwear down? Of course not! I, I, Find the error in that sentence. I don't think there is one. So let's deal with all the problems if we're going to deal with problems. Otherwise, let's just let things go and see how it sorts out. Right? Well, we do have one thing we need to sort out, and it doesn't involve any social media prowess. Yes. Just got to have a cell phone. All you need is the ability to text. Because Grammy Award-winning and platinum-selling band Train are going to be at the Brandon Amphitheater on September 17th. Tickets for the show are going to go on sale this Friday at Ticketmaster.com, or you can stop by the Brandon Amphitheater box office to pick them up. But you get a chance to win a pair of tickets before you can even buy them. All you got to do is be the 17th person to text into the C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. Be the 17th person to text in the word Virginia. And you'll win a pair of tickets to see Train at the Brandon Amphitheater on September 17th. Not bad. So the key word, Virginia. 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 Just text it in. What's the number again? 601-879-4395. Get it texted in. You could be the winner. Somebody's going to be the winner. Might as well be you, right? Get to go see Train at the Brandon Amphitheater. If you haven't been to the Brandon Amphitheater, it's absolutely superb. It, it's nicer than we deserve. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's nicer than we deserve. It is a fantastic facility. If you've never been to a show there, you need to treat yourself into doing that. And this is a great way to do it uh, without uh, causing any amount of friction on your debit card. All you have to do is text it in, and you get a shot. It's not bad. And once again, we have 862,000 people that have texted in, or you know, one person 862,000 times, but no, we, we, it marks 
what we have here, and we have gotten a ton of text. We may possibly have a winner. Looks like it. Just got to confirm with them. Yeah, just got to do the confirmation. We'll do that during the break, which is coming up right now. Uh, when we come back from the break, we'll let you know if we have confirmed the winner. We'll let you know who it was. Hopefully it was you. It's what we're shooting for anyway, right? Final segment of Middays on this Tuesday morning and live in the Element Well Studios. We'll take care of that next. No phone, no pool, no pets. I ain't got no cigarettes. Two hours of pushing broom. Eight by twelve, four bit room. I'm a man of means by no means. King of the road. King of the road. Going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Middays in the Element Wealth Studios. Do we have a confirmed winner, Rhino? Not yet. Still waiting to confirm. Okay, still waiting to confirm, but we're going to get there. We'll get it before we get done here, I'm sure. I hope so, anyway. If 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 you don't know if you won or not, go check your phone again. You might yeah, have, well, I will have texted you, winner! You might, you might have a secret message. <laughs> the white of the day, which is winner in this case. The First Lady of France... Bridget Macron filed a lawsuit a couple of years ago against a uh, psychic medium and an independent journalist who claimed that she had had gender reassignment surgery when she was 18 and was, in fact, actually a dude. The first lady sued them, uh, said, hey, you know, you you can't be doing this mess. Uh, She just lost the lawsuit against them. Yeah. Against the psychic. Yes, against the psychic and the independent journalist. The official decision, the court voided the summons issued by Bridget Macron for invasion of privacy and image rights. Uh, Said uh, she should have been qualifying it under public defamation. But yeah, she sued two people who accused her of actually being a guy and lost. Which is not a good look. This is the planet we live on. Just keep reminding yourself of that. And there's a whole generation running around that can vote that doesn't know who Miss Cleo was. Oh, man, are they missing out. Miss Cleo. She was an entertaining fraud. you got to give her that. (laughs) It's not a statement on the existence or not of psychic abilities, but Miss Cleo was her own separate thing. 
completely and totally. I do have uh, one thing that I want to leave you with. Just to make sure, and I try to do this on a regular basis, to make sure that you put your own life in perspective. Maybe you're not having the best day. Maybe things are not going according to plan. Everything you try, something goes wrong, and you're just kicking yourself and going, what is wrong with me? Well, you're not this guy. So if you take it by comparison, you're having a good day. Memphis, Tennessee, a carjacker walked up into a driveway, stole a car at gunpoint. The owner was there, pulled a gun. Got the keys from a 22-year-old. Carjacker ran over, jumped in the car, cranked it up, backed into a utility pole, got the car stuck, and had to get out and run. You're not the carjacker. You're having a better day than that. Because the driveway dips down when he hit it, it actually, like, wedged up against the pole, and the back wheels weren't touching the ground is how it got stuck. So he couldn't get it loose. So he had to bail out, roll across the yard, and get up and run. Said it took three people to get the car back onto the ground. Had a scrape on the back bumper, and aside from that, it was fine. Nobody was hurt. There were no problems. By the way, the guy got the keys, and as he was getting the keys and running to the car, the owner of the vehicle realized that he didn't have anything to worry about because the carjacker, his gun, was missing its barrel. Well, that might be an important part of the equation. You're going to get a much wider spread on your shots if you don't have a barrel. <sighs> So it, it all worked out fine for everybody but the carjacker, carjacker to which I say good, was the way it should be. But just remember, you did not get up today, choose violence, and decide to go carjack somebody with a car with, uh, with a gun with no barrel on it, and then get the car stuck and have to run away. You are having a good day. It's all relative. you got to compare yourself to the right benchmarks, and then you realize, no, you're doing pretty good. So good for you. I'm proud of you. You're doing a good job. <sighs> oh, now, we've, now we've got people texting in going, I, I, I was just checking to see if I got my text. Um, yeah, and we, we haven't confirmed yet with our winner, have we? Not yet. Still okay. waiting. Well, keep your eye on your phone. If we can't confirm one, we might have to go with another one. You don't know. Stranger things have happened on this planet. Had a good time yesterday and today. Was fun. Uh, been talking with Alex. It won't be that long before I'm back again. A couple of weeks. I'll be back up here filling in several times over the next month or so, so... Get used to me. Again, reused to me. I, well, I don't even know what the term would be. Prepare for the contagion. That's the term. That That's it. Have a good day. Rhino, buddy, I will see you soon, my friend. Looking forward to it. Gerard, back in here tomorrow, staring sweatily at his stock portfolio. See you later, my friend. Talk Mississippi Media Production.